Good morning again. Good morning again. Oh, thank you. This morning's scripture is excerpts from John chapter 11. It's the story of Lazarus. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people who had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, The teacher is here and wants to see you. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Today we continue our worship series, Fake News. That's not in the Bible. During this series, we're looking at phrases that we often hear and even say as Christians, phrases that sound like they're from the Bible. So like fake news, we share them, assuming they're true, but not confirming whether they're from the reliable source of Scripture. In this series, we are pausing to take a look at these phrases. Does the Bible actually say that? Today's phrase that we're looking at is, God needed another angel in heaven. Let's pray. Wonderful Counselor, we pray that you might calm our minds and open our ears and our hearts so that we might hear your voice speaking to us. In these moments, may your spirit be felt, your hope experienced, and the challenge of your good news declared. Amen. God must have needed another angel in heaven. We've all heard 
this phrase. We might have even said it to someone. Often this phrase is used to try and explain the unexplainable. When someone young dies or when a child passes away before a parent, these times make no sense to us. And so we try to explain our way through them. Because as humans, we tend to be uncomfortable when things don't seem to follow any logic or fairness. And so somehow when we explain it, it restores our feeling of control over the situation. So we say things like, well, God needed another angel in heaven, explaining why it happened. Or really, this phrase might be used as a compliment to someone, saying your loved one was an angel, or they're doing God's work now. But in our efforts to gain control over a situation or, or compliment someone, we diminish the magnitude that, that we or someone else is feeling in that moment, the grief and the sadness that we, it, we, are, being, we are going through. When I was a sophomore in college, I was studying in my dorm's common room, and I got a call from my mom. And you know how sometimes when you hear the phone ring, you just know it's not going to be good? Well, I had that feeling. And sure enough, I answered the phone and she said, Heidi, your cousin TJ has died. He had an accident on the tractor and he didn't survive. I was stunned. I could feel the shock waves shooting throughout my body. TJ had grown up on the farm. He had worked on all of the farm equipment long before I think it was actually legal for him to do so. Plus, he was four years younger than I was. When someone younger than you passes away, that tends to really hit hard. The whole community gathered for the funeral. I'll never forget that rainy, cold, gloomy, awful day. I stood there with the other cousins in the receiving line and I could tell that people just felt horrible and they had no idea what to say in that moment. What do you say at a time like that? Sure enough, a woman I had never met before walks through the line and as she passed, she she stopped and she grabbed my hands and she looked at me and she said, honey, God just needed another angel in heaven. And I remember smiling softly and looking at her and nodding on the outside. But on the inside, I was saying to myself, what? What does that even mean? First of all, TJ was no angel. And second, do you mean to say that God killed my cousin? That's not the God that I know. But bless her heart, she was just trying to be helpful and comfort me in that moment. I'm sure she was at a loss of what to say, and that phrase made her feel useful right then. But my gut reaction was right. That phrase isn't consistent with the God that we see in Scripture. First and foremost, because it makes it sound like God causes death, like God takes our loved ones from us. And a quick scan of scripture shows us that that's just simply not true. In reality, God is the author of life. John 
chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Job says in chapter 33, the spirit of God has made me. The breath of the almighty gives me life. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And if we go all the way back to the beginning, to the creation stories in Genesis, we can see that God gives everything life and calls it good. And we also see here God's original intent for us to dwell with us, and to be in relationship with us. And in the second account of creation with Adam and Eve, it shows us this, that God wanted to be in relationship with us. But if you know that story, you know that it doesn't stay that way for long, that God and Adam and Eve didn't live in Eden, in paradise, for very long. In verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God gives this warning, but then the serpent comes. And the serpent convinces the woman, Eve, to eat of the forbidden fruit. And then Eve then convinces Adam, and Adam eats of the fruit. Suddenly, sin enters the world, and with it, death. After discovering what's happened, God says, by the sweat of your brow, you will, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. This sounds like that vengeful and, and smiting God that would take our loved ones from us. But we know that the Bible doesn't end right there. If you continue throughout scripture, you can see that ever since that moment, God has been working to bring us, to bring humans back into right relationship with God's self. The ultimate example of this is through Jesus, through whom we have the opportunity for eternal life with God. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again, Scripture shows us that God doesn't cause death. God gives life. Abundant and hope-filled life. So what do we say when people are gone from this world too soon? When we are in that receiving line or we're in front of that friend who has just had a tragedy or lost someone very close to them? Well, today's scripture shows us. When her brother Lazarus took sick, Mary asked Jesus for help. But Jesus intentionally delayed going to them. So by the time he finally arrives in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead and buried for at least four days. Lord, Martha cried, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary, her sister, says the exact same thing later. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And amidst all of the grief and the tears, the neighbors mumbled their own version. God Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Could not he have prevented all of this horrible pain and heartache? Why didn't God prevent this? We ask these questions still today. But look how Jesus responds to their questions. He didn't try to explain them away or say positive things or or those cliches to make Mary and Martha just feel better. He didn't try to put a Band-Aid on it. Instead, in the shortest verse of the entire Bible, Jesus reveals one of the most important characteristics of God that we can ever learn about. Jesus wept. When Jesus saw Mary and Martha weeping for their dead brother and their neighbors weeping also, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. The God that we worship isn't this remote God in the sky, somewhere way out there, aloof and far from us. No, the God that we worship is compassionate and deeply moved by our human experience, even grieved by the the human things that we experience, the difficult parts of life. This empathetic nature of God is the reason why scripture tells us and encourages us to take every anguish and anger and confusion and anxiety and frustration and take those all to God. Like the psalmist, we often say ourselves, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry of mercy. And we place our hope in God. Because as the psalmist continues, God is a God of unfailing love, a God of full redemption. What I know from my own experiences with grief and from talking with others about their own experiences is that comfort doesn't come from the cliches that people say to us. Comfort, true comfort, comes from the simple presence of someone who loves us and cares about us. I once sat with a friend who was meandering through the grief of a miscarriage, and she found that open-ended questions were the most helpful. How are you doing today? She said that that word today at the end was extremely important. It was huge because it acknowledged that the grieving process is chaotic and you meander through it, and, and how she felt changed from day to day, from hour to hour, and even minute to minute. By asking that simple question, how are you doing today? And then really listening to her answer, the person who asked, that individual was entering into the experience with her. She said, I knew that they genuinely wanted to know how I was doing, and I could be honest with them. Knowing that they cared was more than enough. In today's scripture, we see that Jesus wept. He entered into the depths of Mary and Martha's pain. And in the midst of that despair, he brought them hope simply through his presence. Whenever we experience loss or we're faced with a difficult time in our life, it's tempting to search for the quick answer or to just push away the uncomfortable sorrow. But it's being present in that sorrow that's what what is needed. And we must always remember that in those raw 
and difficult moments, that is when Jesus enters into the depths of the pain with us and brings us an unbelievable hope. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to be the presence of Jesus for others. Like like Jenny was talking about in the children's moment. An angel is a messenger, someone who shares a message for God. Maybe in that difficult, uncomfortable moment with someone where we just want to have the right thing to say, where we just want the, the awkwardness to go away and for everyone to be happy, maybe instead we are supposed to be Jesus' angel. We are supposed to be the messenger of hope to that person who is suffering. To be the presence of God, not by saying or doing the right thing, but simply by being present. To sit and to weep, letting them know that they are not alone. And if you really, really feel like you need to say something, don't try to explain it or to understand it. Simply say, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Or how can I pray for you right now? Or put this lasagna in at 350 for 45 minutes. Because we are good Methodists. God does not cause death. But God will be with us in those dark moments. Sitting and weeping with us. And God will and God does bring goodness out of that darkness. Because God gives life. Abundant and hope-filled life. Because we are an Easter people. Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. That's not the end of the story. Jesus rose to give us new life. We live in the knowledge and in the hope of a resurrected Savior in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Beloved Lord, we are so grateful that you are with us through the dark and difficult moments. And God, we pray that we might be your presence to those who need it, that you might sit with us in the uncomfortableness, giving us encouragement so that we might encourage others, so that your hope, your peace, your resurrection might be known throughout this entire world so that your kingdom might come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.